The following program has been pre-recorded. This week on Belonging, we talked to Sister Mara Grace, the vocation director at St. Cecilia Motherhouse here in Nashville, Tennessee. We discussed the topic of vocation in young adults, specifically young women and young men, discerning that idea of religious life, the priesthood, and hearing God's call for our life. The Lord is constantly with us. He says that over and over, you know, I'm with you always until the end of time. Discernment can happen in little ways, even things like what should I do tonight with my time? You know, so it's, it doesn't have to be this scary time where I pause everything in my life to figure out this one question. This week on Belonging, next. This program is made possible by the generous donations of Jeannie and Bill Stayskull, members of Christ the King Parish in Nashville, and by a grant from the Cook Foundation. Take advantage of the many opportunities for young people in the Nashville Diocese to connect and find belonging. Like University Catholic, a community of college-age students who are serious about their faith and unite in fellowship and friendship to deepen their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Go to universitycatholic.org to find out more. You can also connect with young Catholics like you by attending events like Summit Music City. It's a night of music followed by adoration and reconciliation. It's free and open to young people of all faiths. Go to soundscatholic.com. Or try Theology on Tap, where you can gather with other people in their 20s and 30s like you, who want to learn more about their faith while enjoying a beverage together. Join Theology on Tap Nashville on Facebook for events and times. My name is Zach Jansen. Welcome to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio, the show for young Catholic adults here in the Diocese of Nashville. We're joined uh, each week by Father Javon, the chaplain at University Catholic here in Nashville. And here we're talking today about the, the discussion of vocation in uh, the lives of all people, especially young adults, that whether it be to religious life or wherever it may be, but the topic of vocation. And we're joined by Sister Mara Grace, the vocation director at the St. Cecilia Motherhouse here in Nashville. Tennessee. So sister, thank you for being on the show today. It's great to be with you all. I see that you know Father Javon as well. Yes, yes. Um, what, what, is, what is the background between you two? Is it just just throughout the diocese, knowing each other? That's right. Yeah, I, th- I think I first met Father when he was at Father Ryan. He did a discernment group for women and would invite our sisters out there. So, yeah. and then connected through University Catholic yeah, in several occasions. Yeah, yeah. Sister and the Dominican sisters, they uh, lead us in a group called Avow for young ladies, you know, for discernment. So it's a, it's a great group, and this is our second year doing that together. So that's right. Sister Peter Marie started, and then Sister Mara Grace continues. So that's, that's amazing. So that topic of discernment can start even even in high school for, for young teenagers coming into there. It's as, as early as you There's yes. no early, too early date to that's, start that that's topic, right. huh? I even get inquiries from little girls who are, you know, first, second grade thinking about being a sister. So it's never too early to start asking the Lord, what do you will for my life? Wow. And so what is the mindset of of a high schooler going into that? Do they don't even know what a vocation is? Are they they thinking, is this something I have to do forever? I have to decide tomorrow. What's, what's the mindset of a high school student? I think there's a huge variety. Um, Some grew up around sisters or, you know, new priests and um, have always considered for their life, like what might the Lord be have in store for me? Um, some people, it, it's you know they don't even know the idea of vocation in, in high school, so it's a huge variety. I think I was more surprised how many do consider it. I think there's there's um, wonderful families out there that that give their children experiences of, of being able to talk with priests and sisters and 
just introduce them to the idea that God has a plan for their lives. So mm. um, it becomes less, what do I want? And more, what does God want? And I think that's key in discernment. It's, it's something we're thinking about, um, what is God's idea for me? And really at the core of that is, whatever God's idea is for me, that's what's going to make me happiest, actually. But I, I think, Sisha, you know, like discernment sometimes is like, a, it's a kind of a crazy word. Mm. It, it doesn't need to be that complicated, right? That's right. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fear around that word discernment because we think, oh my goodness, I've got to put everything on hold. I've got to figure out this thing and I'm, I'm, I might make a mistake or I might do something wrong. And certainly that's not what, the church means when we, when we talk about discernment of vocations. Discernment is really about discovering how the Lord is moving in my life. Sure, when we talk about vocation, it's a, it's a bigger decision that we're trying to figure out. But certainly the, the Lord is constantly with us. He says that over and over, you know, I'm with you always until the end of time. Discernment can happen in little ways, even things like, what should I do tonight with my time? You know, so it's, it doesn't have to be this scary time where I pause everything in my life to figure out this one question. And, and not only that, sometimes we think about discernment about something like, oh, I'm going to do this that I don't want to do it. You know, <laughs> yes. like, oh, God is going to make me do this. Thing. No, discernment is God created us for something. And I think the discernment process is the process of discover what is that something that is going to make you happy. Exactly. I know for my own, that, that was so freeing for me to figure out that, oh, what God's plan is actually better than mine. Like he knows more what would make me happy than I know myself. And I think it, that can make discernment exciting and something to like a time to be cherished. Actually, it's a time of discovering more deeply who the Lord is and in getting to know him, knowing whom I myself am and how he's created me to love. So would you say a lot of young adults and maybe young women specifically with, with that you're dealing with are maybe uh, in, in their 20s or their after college maybe are, are, are realizing that they're, they're, they're sort of finding an emptiness in what they're seeing in school or in the, in the real work world? And they, and they think there's something more out there to fill my heart. Do you see like them longing for more when they yeah, come? Certainly. I think, I think, you know, there's so many promises that the world gives and, uh, the more we try it, the more we realize eh, that's not going to fulfill me, you know? And I think, um, that can be such a graced moment to reach that point where I've tried it, you know, I've, I've, I've gone through this education and I'm in this career and it's, it's not what I've, you know, it's not fulfilling these, the deepest desires of my heart. Um, and that can be a grace moment when we can look to the Lord and and ask that question. What is it that you desire? You know, I've tried what I've desired, um, but what is it you desire? Because what I've tried hasn't hasn't worked. For many, it's before they get to that point, they're already asking the question, Lord, what do you want? And I think that's such a such a grace to be able to, to seek that before you get to that point of restlessness. But I think... Yeah, and asking that question, the Lord blesses it, you know, and he he doesn't, He's we sometimes have this view of God as like uh, out there to, to make us like find this really secret, you know, uh, I have to, I have to search high and low to find his will, but no, he, he's constantly revealing it. Um, and it, it's for us to be attentive to him. And so I think, you know, wherever young people are, whether they're in high school or college or in their career, uh, it's never too late or too early to go to the Lord and, and ask him, what is it you desire? Well, wow. and speaking of that early stage, how you mentioned even first and second graders, and a lot of high schoolers as well, that are having that, that desire to think, I wanna be a part of religious life or, or 
the holy orders. How, how important is it to have a, a good priest or a good sister as a role model for them to look up to, to say, I could see myself in their shoes? Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's key. Um, Father, you might know this from working with young men, but I know working with young women, a lot of them that contact us say that they found out about religious life through the priest, through a priest they know. And I think to have these good role models, and, and I know for myself, when I first saw the sisters, I was first attracted to the joy. You know, I met these sisters and I was like, wow, they have what yep. I want, you know? <laughs> and I, I think to have um, exposure to religious life, to the priesthood, helps to sift away any false conceptions I have about the vocations. Um, I think sometimes the way it's portrayed in media, et cetera, it looks like this um, life that's boring or, you know, that's for people that can't find a husband or can't find a wife or um, it's for for people that couldn't find their way in the world, you know, but the, the truth is that the religious life priesthood for those that are called, they are fully alive, you know, and full of joy. And so I think having um, exposure to the priesthood, religious life can be really helpful. And good spiritual direction, um, I, I think, can really benefit. Sometimes others can reveal to ourselves who we are better than we can come to know ourselves. I know that's been helpful for many who have found their vocation to have someone who is spiritual to walk with them and help kind of sift through how God might be moving and calling them. Wow. So there, there can be too much mental preparation sometimes with discernment, thinking I'll, I'll sit there and read for one, two, three years about what it entails or do a lot of online searching instead of actually taking that next step. It takes a lot of courage, I guess, mm -hmm. for someone to make that next, like, like you said, you're not making the commitment that day. It's a process. Yeah, and, and I think the, the, the biggest thing is we are, you know, there is this whole thing called FOMO, you know, <laughs> fear of missing out. Oh, I have it. Yeah. yeah so it's like, and then like we invite, hey, do you want to go this? Like, well, I'm not sure. I have to, you know, because the person is waiting to the, like, well, it's six o'clock. So it's five. So nothing better is going to happen. So, okay. Hey, Sue, open, you know. <laughs> It's not that, you know, like when you enter the convent, and, and I think it's kind of the, the, the reason on that. You don't enter, and the next day you do profession vows. Yes. You know, final profession. You kind of enter as a postulant. So you spend a couple of years, you live that life, you see if that it is what is, you know, because sometimes we have dreams, and I think it's just like dating, like, oh, that, you know, that that, that, that that person is gorgeous, you know, like, and it's like, well, not really, you know, like, and then it's like, whoops, not much, so let me, Never mind. Let me go back and you know, like you go to the 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 the, the, the process, and then you go to the first vows. You go to the novitiate first vows. It's like yes, I'm ready to give to take the next step. Yeah, and yeah. then the next step and until you get one point. It's like yeah, this is forever now until you take your 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 final profession. But it's like it's the process. You know, sometimes I talk a lot of guys, oh, I'm afraid. You go like, don't be afraid. Go to the, you're, and I, and I always tell like seminary, it is not a machine of making priests. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a prayerful way to discern. You are in a point of your vocation discernment that's like, yes, this is the next step. I want to do this. And then you go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the wisdom of the church that it's been set up in a way that you really have the time to discern and be free in your decision. You know, I think um, that's key in discernment, that freedom. And and I'm not talking about a freedom like I want to do whatever I want. You know, this freedom that I don't have any other pressures and I'm, I'm uh, free to follow what the Lord is asking. And so, yeah, for, you know, I think it, it was really helpful for me to find out that 
if I called the sisters, you know, if I just called the convent to inquire, they weren't going to kidnap me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a mutual discernment. No, yeah, I know they didn't oh. kidnap me. <laughs> um, it's a it's a mutual discernment, and so as the young woman is discerning if this is her vocation or as the young man is discerning the priesthood, the diocese or the religious community is also discerning. You know, we we want you to be happy too. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think that can help give courage just to reach out. Making a phone call is not a commitment. You know, making a visit is not committing your life. Um, and then even taking that leap of faith, if it does seem like, wow, I, I'm attracted to this life, the community or the diocese thinks that I might be a good sister, a good priest, make that step and, and know that it's a whole process. Like you said, Father, it's, you have many years to discern and the community of the diocese is also discerning with you through that process. I, I personally had two brothers who entered seminary and left and they both would tell you they're better men for it. You know, they, yeah. they do not regret it. And, and it wasn't a mistake, you know, that even though that wasn't their vocation, but they, they, are better husbands and and fathers because of that experience. So one of the things I love about the, the mother house here and the testimony is it, uh, I see it a lot of the profiles on the Dominican website. Also, even in, in friends that I've had that have, have experienced is it the retreat, the treat weekend that you all have, or just some time for a discernment retreat. They all seem that they all seem to mention that moment where it all changed, where maybe they learned something they didn't know about it or where something just felt right. What can you tell about the, what all that happens during that discernment retreat to change? Yeah, I think... Oh. It's secret. You can yeah, it's secret, it's secret. Yeah, search secret. <laughs> you got to come and see Come and see <laughs> <laughs> We have two different kinds of retreats that we offer at the Mother House. Um, they're for single young Catholic women. And the first is just like a come and see. Like, I just want to see what it's like to be a sister. You know, so um, you... They would have the opportunity to pray with the sisters. You sleep in a dormitory like we would sleep. You know, you have a, the the whole experience at a comment, but it's the conferences are more just spiritual based. So it's it's kind of a boost for your spiritual life, but at the same time, you're getting to see what the religious life is like. So it's kind of a um, low pressure kind of taste of religious life. And I think for many, um, myself included, that glimpse into the life is just change. You, you know, you have these images of sound of music or sister act, you know, and it's kind of not very positive. Isn't that it? what you do every Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, Especially the Dominican sisters. Yeah. So you, you get a real glimpse of the religious life and, and some of those preconceived notions are debunked and you realize, Oh my goodness, these are women that are just in love with Jesus and live their life for him. And there's a lot of joy, a lot of um, friendship. There's a deep community life, you know, and um, so get a little glimpse. And I think it it helps to wash away some of those fears that come from, oh, I'll be bored the rest of my life, or, you know, I'm going to be miserable if I answer this call. And then we offer a vocation discernment retreat. And this is more geared towards those particularly discerning with our community. So we give an experience of um, our monastic customs, like eating our meals in silence, and the women will experience that with us, and um, going to see our, our apostolate in Catholic schools. So we, we give more of a focused um, view of, of the Dominican sisters' life in, in particular, so that they can more clearly see, is this somewhere where I, I feel at home, where I belong? So you are sisters, not nuns, right? That's correct. What is the yeah. difference? Yeah, that's a, that's a really common question we get. Um, <laughs> You're not a nun. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll we'll you know go by nun if people call us that. We know what they're talking about. But tech, the technical difference is um, 
none is there's there's different orders in the church. So first order would be priesthood. Second order is nuns. And so the nuns, they um, live in the cloister. Like they don't, they don't leave the monastery. Usually. See, so what is a cloister? Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I'm using all these million dollar <laughs> words. The cloister is a, a place set aside for the sisters alone. So uh, the, if you, if you think of, you know, the scene movies where you have that, that screen, what's called the grill, that's not usually <laughs> they're, they're living uh, set apart and they don't leave their monastery. They, their whole life is to pray for the church. You know, that's, that's their main work is we don't know. We'll find out in heaven that, you know, all the prayers of nuns, what they've done throughout the world, but nuns would stay there at the monastery and have more of a stability. So they, they don't go out and, and, you know, interact with the world as much. Um, sisters would be third order. So we, we'd be out in the world, like in schools or hospitals. Um, but, but still have some aspects of that cloister life or that set apart. Um, but we're not strictly, uh, set there at the monastery. So that's kind of the main difference is the, the sisters that you see on the streets or, you know, what that's probably sisters. And then the ones that, um, are, are there praying for the world? That would be the nuns. What, and, and do sisters do? Do they get to choose? I guess it depends on the on the order they choose. But as far as the location, they can be sent to. I mean, I know you can choose Nashville here, but otherwise, could it could it be random in some cases where where people are sent? Yeah, it depends uh, on the community. Like community. Yeah, mm-hmm. for for our sisters, we um, I think all, all religious take a vow of obedience, mm-hmm. and so every year we're we're given an, an assignment, and that's where we go for the year. So it might be the same thing. It might be something different, but we don't, we don't really put in our bids. Like I want to go to this place, you know, um, but we, hey, mother, see, you yeah. know, I'm here, you know, I really like the weather in this place. No, we, we receive from our superior where we're, where we're going to be sent. And we receive that as the will of God, you know, that the Holy spirit works through our superiors to manifest God's will for us. You know, so on a piece of paper, when I saw sister Mara Grace, vocation director, I knew hundred percent certainty that's God's will for me, you know, wow. and, and I receive that joyfully and with great love. Although sometimes it's hard, you know, on an emotional <laughs> level, yeah. you know, there's time, there's assignments I've been given. I was like, Oh my goodness, I would not have chosen this. But what I found time and time again is that by accepting and receiving that so many graces come and, and I wouldn't have it any other way. By the end of the year, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I really loved that assignment. I don't want to go anywhere anymore. I want to stay here. Don't mother forget about me. <laughs> Wow. I noticed as well, seeing all sisters' testimonies and, and even reading about them, they, they always have a, at the bottom maybe a tagline saying, this is when they profess their, their vows on this day or, or this month. What, what occurs before they process or profess those final vows? What, mm. what, what stages are leading up to that? Yeah, that's a great question. I, um, and again, as, as Father mentioned, it is a whole process. So mm-hmm. um, for us, it's eight years between when you enter and you make final vows. Mm-hmm. Um, the first stage would be the postulate year. So that's postulate to postulate means to ask. So it's the year they, they're kind of transitioning from the world to the religious life and asking the Lord, is, is this where I'm supposed to be? You know, um, And that year is, is really focused on being immersed in the spiritual life. So the postulants study philosophy and theology, um, get a good grounding in those, those subjects. And um, as well, they just transition to the religious life. So they live with the rest of the sisters, you know, 
live the same schedule. But they don't have the habit yet, right? But they don't have the habit, so they kind of look like Shoney's waitresses. Or I know. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was in the, in the Aquinas gra- uh, graduation this morning. I was like, hey, you all. <laughs> yeah, I remember go- we have a home visit at the end of that year. I remember going home as a postulant, and people were like, what are you? I'm like, I know, I just want the habit. <laughs> then it'll be more clear what I am. But um, yeah, but the, even that distinctive dress kind of sets them apart. They're not, they're not in the world any longer. Um, at the end of that year, we received the habit, uh, it's a full white habit and, and a white veil on our head. So um, that we begin our novice year. We also receive a religious name at that time. Um, and so we, we submit three names to mother and kind of a reason why, why we would choose each name. And then she chooses one of those or could choose another name. So I would love to have you in that meeting. Okay, mother, let's go this together. Sisha <laughs> Genoveva. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason, Father, we haven't asked you. No, I'm just kidding. Sister <laughs> I'll get some interesting names. Okay, you can start a little list. So um, that novice year is a really special year and every religious community will have a novice year. Um, and you don't hear your name until the time that you receive your habit, right? That's right. It's a really exciting uh, ceremony. So it's it's only for the community. The whole community is in the chapel. And we sew our own habits. So we've sewn a habit um, and it's in a bundle. And we, we go before mother and, and one by one the postulants kneel in front of mother. And she hands them the first piece of the habit and says, sister and her new name. And so we all find out at the same time as the new postulant is finding out her novice name. So it's a very uh, exciting ceremony. And then she, the postulants leave and are clothed with the habit and come back in with with their new name and their new habit. Um, And then that year they're spent there at the mother house. So it's a cloister year. It's a year set apart to really just um, have extra time of prayer and, and be immersed in the religious life so that the young woman can discern, is, this, is God calling me to vow myself to him? Um, after that first novice year, we have a second novice year where we go and experience the apostolate. So That's a new one, right? That's a new one. We just start, this is the first year we've had two novice years. I, we found that it's helpful to have more time before making vows, just to get experience of not only religious life, but also our apostolate and, and get involved in teaching and retreat work and that kind of thing. So you just sent some to university Catholic. Oh yeah. Anytime. You just let me know. Just send some there. We will make sure that they... <laughs> You'll give them great experiences. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and that's one of the things that we need to see more sisters and nuns around, you know, because right. the young ladies love that. They need to see that. That's right. Yeah. And I know so for myself mom, that was... Tell mother. Okay. <laughs> mother, we need more sisters at University of Catholic. We'll, we'll work with them. So what are the next steps a young woman or, or a young man makes when they have this thought in their heart, they see like a YouTube video, or this is something that's on my mind. What are the next steps that they can take from there? Is it as a matter of contacting you or whoever they like? Yeah, I think, I think essential first step, bring it to the Lord. Put it all, put your vocation in his hands. You know, that's, it's trustworthy right there. Um, and Our Lady too, she's a garden of vocations. And then, yeah, if that inspiration keeps coming back, you keep thinking about this experience with the priest you had or a sister and there's a growing desire, even if there's still fear, if there's a growing desire, yeah, reach out to a community that you might know or 
maybe do a search online and see kind of what you're drawn to. Yeah, there are many online tests that you can go through and kind of like, okay, this is what I like or this is my desires or whatnot. And I think the other thing is like sometimes you go to the Dominicans and then not that you're going to enter the Dominicans, but sometimes you go to the Dominicans like, well, this is not for me, but the Lord is leading me on this. On the same way, you you know, to the Franciscans, it's like, well, this is beautiful, but it's, I feel more, you know. And I feel one of the things that I was talking to Bishop Spaul the other day, about the, the Dominican sisters, you know, and he was like, the good thing is they know what they're doing and they know who they are. Mm-hmm. We are sisters who are going to be teaching. Do you like to teach? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay, this is your place. Yeah. Not really. Maybe this is not for you. Yes. So that kind of the definition of this is who we are. Yeah. Now, who are the Dominican sisters in Nashville? They are teachers. Yeah. And I, th- and I think that, that like for each religious community, the vocation director, that's their job is to help you find what where you will thrive. You know, so there's not a sense of, oh, if you call us, we're going to capture you. Or um, We really, we love to help you find the Lord's call for your life. You know, so even if it's not the community for you, it's, it doesn't mean don't reach out. You know, yeah. just just reach out somewhere and, and the sisters will help guide where, where you might fit in. Um, yeah, to not be afraid to reach it. Sister, yeah. we, I think we stop on the novitiate. You should have a couple more years before you get a final profession. So let's let's go that back to that <laughs> yeah, to yeah. that one. So after after the two novice year postulant and two novice years, then we make our vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and we promise to live those for three years. So that's when we receive a black veil. Um, so when you see pictures of the sisters, you can tell who's under vows and who's not. If you have a black veil or white veil. Um, and during that time, and before we make vows, at any time we're free to leave. If we feel this is not for us, you're not in any obligation to stay. Um, but once we make those vows, we do promise for three years, I'm going to live this life. And then we renew for two more. And then at the end of those... So the first the first profession is for three years. That's right. That's okay. right. And, and then, then at the end after of that, that three you renew years, two more. That's right. So it's five years total under vows before we say for all my life. And um, that's very much discerned, not only the sister herself discerning, but the sisters she's lived with, the sisters who are her superiors are all discerning. Is this where she's going to thrive? It's an eight year process. So thank you, Jesus, for that time. And it helps us to make a free and really informed decision for the rest of our life and that we can be confident to say yes for the rest of my life i will live this This life this is what i want to do for the rest of my life thank you sister for just telling this this topic of testimony of vocation here you're very welcome and thank you father javon as well to everyone in our listening audience um if you feel called in that way if it's been on your heart wherever you may be and a lot of our guests as well i'm sure are feeling the same way just to discern uh actively the the idea of our vocation and it's a call from God. It's, it's our response to it as well. So we just pray for all those uh, who, ha- who have that on their minds. Um, thank you all for listening uh, to this episode of Belonging. We'll, we'll interview uh, Sister Mary Mara Grace again to get understand her idea of vocation as well. Just remember you can find our podcast wherever you get our sh- your shows by searching Belonging for Young Catholic, Catholic Adults. And thank you to Jim Chandler as well, does a lot with our show. My name is Zach Jansen. Thank you for listening to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio.